listeners, and welcome to episode 23 of Nicky Bastards. I'm here, well, I'm Fran, by the way, first of all. <laughs> I'm here with Mr. <laughs> Nicholas Barker. Hello, how are you? I'm good. Don't ask me that. I wasn't I'm asking you, I was asking the audience. Okay, how are you? Nice to you, how are you doing um, at all? Matt's over in New York making lots of noise on a stepladder. How are you doing, Matt? <laughs> Hi, Fran. How is Fran? Fran's... Yeah, he's okay, yeah. Yeah, he's doing all right. Good. Thanks for the question. Good. <laughs> And this month we have a special guest by the name of Pete Wilde. How are you, Pete? I'm really good. Thank Welcome. you for having me. Welcome. Good to have you here. Thanks for coming on. So, Pete, yeah. before we get to know Pete a bit better, I'll just tell you he is the editor and creator of a fantastic book website called Book Munch, which I've been writing for for, I think we just decided it was nine years. Is that right? Yeah, yeah I think so. Yeah, and recently started a podcast, mm-hmm. Book Munch podcast, within the last nice. six months. Not as high quality as this podcast. We'll see. Well, I mean, I think yeah, I wouldn't say that at the start of this podcast because well, nobody will ever listen to you. We're well, around the kitchen table right now. This is not a pro studio, so you know. <laughs> and Pete is also a published novelist. Just to put that out there, he's uh, edited books of fiction inspired by The Fall, Sonic Youth, and, and some band called The Smiths that you may have heard of but have forgotten about. Yeah. We're burning um, all the copies. Yeah, now, they're all yeah. <laughs> got one on my shelf actually. Um, <laughs> and Pete also writes for us at Picky Bastards. Uh, PickyBees.com. He's got some wonderful some reviews on there, on there, so yes. check that out. And uh, while you're doing that, check the whole website out. That's PickyBees.com. Follow Pickies. us on Twitter .com. at PickyBastards <laughs> and on Facebook at the PickyBastards. And yes, yeah, subscribe to this wonderful podcast. But anyway, we're going to get to know Pete a little bit now. Um, so four quick five questions for you, Pete, just to you know give us a bit of an idea of you and your music tastes. So, what's your favourite album of the last twelve months? So this is going to be really boring because you're all going to probably agree with it. But my favourite album of the last one months is the national album, I'm Easy to Find, right? Which I reviewed on your beautiful website. Yes, I did. Right? I did. And great. so you can, read, yeah. you can read in that review um, what a person feels like having listened to that album for a couple of days. I now think that my love has grown and deepened. Wow. Okay. And I can now acknowledge that there's things on there I don't like. Yeah. But the fact that there's things on there I don't like makes me love the things I do like all the more. Yeah. And it just gives me a pure and unadulterated joy and my children think it's the most depressing thing they've ever heard <laughs> and so time and again I'm sitting in cars with them and going like no it's beautiful yeah. and they look at me like there's something seriously wrong with me nice. but I am easy to find just blows me away yeah and I am saddened that I think we've been doing this podcast for years now and last year I chose um... no I can't remember what I chose last year uh, what did I choose my album of the year last year Album of the Year, Nadine Shah. Yes, no, no, that's not what I was going for. But anyway, I chose the National on one of these, and I was determined this year not to choose the National. It's going to be very hard not to, I think. So <laughs> great album, yeah, it's a beautiful great album. album. Okay, first album you ever bought. So this one mistakenly makes me cooler than I am. Right, okay. it's 1979. I am seven years old. I've got a W. H. Smith's voucher. I go into W. H. Smith's and I buy Blondie's Parallel Lines. Wow. Because I really Hell liked yeah. it. Right, because Union City Blue, I loved it. It's great. But that day, I was choosing between Blondie's Parallel Lines and a band called Racy, okay. who had a song called Some Girls. They're an English band, and the album was called Smash and Grab. And Racy are shockingly, shockingly bad. <laughs> and the song uh-huh. Some Girls, whilst it could be seen in some ways as being a precursor of the whole Me Too thing. It's shockingly, shockingly bad. So I kind of yeah. accidentally went one way, which so makes me sound really cool, but it's purely accidental. Well, I don't know if you... The, the, album, the episodes that we've had guests on before, we've had 
when when Matt started on the podcast, he chose the Spice Girls as the first album we never bought. Um, yeah. We've also had Steps by as somebody's first one, and I can't remember what Lewis's was, but it was something equally embarrassing. So you, you're winning. Yeah. You're That's winning. A great thing. Yeah. I like it. Okay, so best gig of the last twelve months. The best gig of the last twelve months. I've discovered a new venue, new to me, in Manchester called Yes. Yes, and I've yeah, seen yes. times. That's I've great. seen it. it's such yes, a good venue. Yeah, yes. I saw Empress of there, who was amazing there, like a young Madonna. But I saw a band called Another Sky. Okay, and Another Sky are amazing. All right, they're a new band, and you can tell they're still finding their feet. And to a certain extent, at times they can sound a bit London grammarish, which isn't okay. entirely my bag. But at the other, at the other extreme, they have a song called Chillers, which is it feels like if a bunch of young activists. Started covering the LCD sound system. Oh wow! It's, okay. it's Matt's really, favorite band. It's got a real Ooh. resonance, honestly. Another, Another sky, sky chillers. Just listen to that Another one song. Another sky. They're great. I'll check them out. Right. Ferociously good. Great. I've not, not even heard awesome. of them, so. But yes, it's a great yeah. venue. Yeah, it's, it's a great, great venue. venue. Yeah. Who do we see there? I can't remember. We saw uh, Adrian Lenker from Big yes. Beef. Nice. Um, yeah. And then obviously awesome. you jumped out of at the last minute, but that yeah. was great. Um, yeah, I've been to a few gigs there now. Okay, last quick fire question: Worst gig you've ever been to? So worst gig I've ever been to, I actually looked at reviews for this gig this morning and loads of people were fawning over it and I think it's the worst, the worst gig I've ever been to. It was Ryan Adams <laughs> at the Bridgewater Hall in 2011 and he was on his own and he must have done like 20 songs and he kept kind of saying, this is another new one, sorry. <laughs> and he was being really yeah. mongy and people in the audience were going, book up Ryan! And I remember a girl shouted, leave him alone, he can play what he wants, we love you Ryan. <laughs> and Ryan just looked like he was having a bipolar episode. Right. And we walked out. Now, I go to lots of gigs for free because there's stuff I review yeah, yeah. all the rest of it. But I paid for that gig. <laughs> and I had a lot of yeah. money. And I left halfway through. Wow. Which I, I, I wow. get my money out of it. So that Ryan Adams gig, wow. Bridgewater Hall, shocking. And it sounds like the crowd at that gig were doing pretty much what everyone's doing with Ryan Adams right now yeah. on Twitter after we released that horrible tweet about how he's innocent and everything <laughs> last night. And so everyone goes, oh, Ryan's back, we love you, Ryan. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'm getting angry and shouting at them all. So that's, that's fun. Yeah. But anyway, brilliant. Okay, so we now know Pete. Great. And we know everything about Pete, so we will move on to yeah. ask Pete another question. <laughs> so actually, I've not told you which albums we're covering this month, yes, so that would be a good start. start. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you, you all know the drill now, we do four new releases, one album that's a considered classic, but none of us really know, and then someone will tell us about an artist they love. So the new releases this month are Kate Tempest's The Book of Traps and Lessons, Fujia and Miyagi's Flashback, There's Nothing Great About Britain by Slow Tie, Here Comes the Cowboy by Mac DeMarco, Oh, that, that's it. That's the new releases. That sounded like I was going to yeah. say another one then, but I'm not. Um, the classic is Easter Everywhere by the 13th Floor Elevators. And Pete will be telling us why he loves someone whose name none of us know how to pronounce. Please we think us. it's Mark... Mark Mulcahy. Mulcahy. Okay. Yeah. You got to say that's now. That was good. We don't yeah. have to feel bad about it now. Great. He'll be tweeting yeah. soon with like a phonetic way of saying <laughs> his name. Exactly. And we'll all be around. Recordings on, attached to tweets. But anyway, we're going to get started with Pete. And his question to kick us off is... Which of these albums did you feel was making the most meaningful statement? So I really, I really struggled with that question, right? Good, that's because, what I aim for with my yeah. questions. <laughs> so for ages I was thinking, without being too pretentious, am I thinking of like, what's the most meaningful for me, man? Mm -hmm. You know, and then I thought, no, that's not the good way to go. This is kind of like, it's like the album reflecting out, right? So I was thinking, okay, the, the album I think is making the most meaningful statement is Slow Tie. Okay. Right? Okay. Now, I should say... When I first started listening to it, I thought, this is powerfully not for me, yeah. right? And 
I'm going to keep doing this, but when I mention, when I kind of like play it with my kids in the room, and I go, yeah, it feels a bit like Dizzy Rascal and Stormzy, they go like, oh God, Dad, oh God, that's just, shut up, just never speak, right? But I do think he's doing something really, really important. I think we're at a, his, a point in the history of the world where lots and lots of culture is made by privately educated people mm. who come from really, really wealthy backgrounds, and he is not one of those people. Yep. Mm-hmm. He is someone who's come from a tough background and he's making music and it's being heard and talked about and reviewed in The Guardian and all of that, which yep. feels really, really powerful to yep. me and more power to him. Now, I think he's young, obviously, so things like... I'm going to drop the C-bomb. The, the, the first song where he drops the C-bomb about the Queen, yep. right? Yep. It feels like the kind of thing a young man would do, yep. but more yep. power to him. Yep. And I think across the album... Tonally, musically, it's really interesting. It, he's not one note. He's doing lots yep. of really interesting things. Lyrically, he's pretty sharp. He's pretty acerbic. He's really funny. Yep. Um, and so even though it's not for me, even though I wouldn't listen to it again, I still think it's tremendous. Yeah, I'm really happy it's in the Never book. ever put it on again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of, that's because I'm, I'm in, you know, hundreds of years old. You know? <laughs> it shouldn't be aimed at me. But I think that I get the same kind of I was going to say vibe, but definitely shouldn't say vibe. Say vibe. But, but it's, it's, the kind of, it's like the specials. Yeah, yeah. This yeah. is someone who's engaging with the world that we are living in and producing music about it. Yeah. And if you've got Ed Sheeran over here rapping about his upbringing in Northwich and then you've got <laughs> Slow Time over here doing what he's doing, I would yeah. rather give Slow Time a million pounds. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Makes sense. But you think... Because it's interesting to me, because I actually thought of doing this, this playlist with you, because I think I, I know your music, music tastes pretty well, I think, and I did think like, stuff like Slow Tie might be out of your comfort mm. zone. And you say you wouldn't listen to it again, probably, but it's nice to hear, like, I'm just wondering, do you, do, you think, do you think you'll ever get to a point where you, you're sat in the car and you think, do you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick Slow Tie on? And... There's, def- there's definitely songs on that oh. album where they've... And you know what? You know, like you play stuff and you play stuff and you play stuff. You get more familiar with it. Yeah. There's, so Doorman. Yeah. I think Doorman's an absolute belter. I could see Doorman making its way. You know what I mean? Where I think, oh, do you know what? I'm going to play that. I could definitely you see that. Kids will be like, why is Dad playing know, Doorman again? <laughs> it's like Dad, you're way too old to listen. But I could also see Slow Tie kind of being on my radar mm. and picking up things he does in the future. Yeah. And do you know what I mean? It's good. That's what I can see about, myself man. engaging with. all about, I think. But I just, awesome. I just think this is what people should be. This is what musicians should be doing. Yeah. yeah. You know. Totally. Nick. Um, yeah, I, uh, I think I see a lot of what you're saying, and, and I, actually, it's funny. So the door, the doorman one. That, that's um, I actually, put, I didn't put. You put belter, didn't you? I put banger instead. Yeah. But I mean, Ooh, banger. You know, exchange of the terms, really. Yeah. So <laughs> you're um, too old to say banger. Belter's okay. You're too old to say banger. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? Um, yeah, so uh, I thought Dawn was a fantastic track. Um, I thought it was, um, I thought it was generally really strong. I think it's in the shadow, as I've said about other, another album last time. I think of the Little Sims album um, this year in, in this, even remotely in this genre. Um, I think that's that's unfortunate. I also you pick your stolen as well for me that the use of the c word in the last song, in the first song, which I thought was. Um, uh, Clumsy is the best I just want to get in here right now and say, and so I was going to say this to my people, I love the fact that he calls Queen Elizabeth a cunt. Okay. And, I, and we can stop saying the C word, it's fine. It's, 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 I'm, I'm all for bad mouth in the Royal Family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just, it just felt a little. I think it, it felt heavy handed. But it's the, t- it's the way in which he does it for me is like, um, he says, 
I will show you respect if you show me respect. Yeah, well, yeah. And I think she, they're not showing respect to someone like Slow yeah. Tie, so yeah, yeah. good on him. But anyway, sorry, carry on. Yeah, no, I mean, I, that's what you're saying. It wasn't, it wasn't, the, yeah, I think I agree with you. It wasn't the gesture, it was the means of delivery that was a bit, a bit problematic. Yeah. So um, I suppose if I'm to sort of look on the downside of the album, which I think generally was, was quite pretty interesting and pretty well put together, it was musical downside, not a lyrical downside. I felt like some of the beats, uh, a number of the beats were quite clipped and kind of, I don't mean digitally clipped, I just mean restrained and not kind of built out enough. There were kind of points when you just felt like, okay, here's the loop. They've done the loop in like 20 minutes and now they're going to put a lot of, you know, generally interesting, clever flow over it. Um, but uh, I was, I was coming the song was in particular, oh, Rainbow uh, was one of the tracks in particular that I was not very into uh, from that standpoint. So it just felt like it was selling the music, that, sorry, felt like it was selling the flow and the lyrics a bit short to have music like that behind it that was just... Um, thrown together it felt like thrown together and I, and I as I say I can see another side to this which is that there's, a, there's an idea it should be kind of rough and ready and mm. kind of you know DIY and that kind of thing but I think given the, the calibre of the lyrics allowed for it to be more complex and sort of uh, developed than it was so that seemed like a bit of a bit of a pity I suppose yeah so I think that's all I'd say on the album okay. I thought, I, generally I thought it was good and I, and I may listen to it again actually it wouldn't be totally off my list but um, in hip hop though this year is Little Sims' this year to me. I've not heard anything. That's, that's not true. I've not heard anything, anything British uh, that's You're been anything like that. You're not going to listen to anything else? No, no, just no. Don't, don't worry about it. It's just Little Sims. It's just Little Sims. <laughs> no, there, is, there are other albums I'll talk about other times when we get to albums of the year and stuff or uh, contenders for that. They're, they're, they're really good in other, from other countries, but not, uh, not from Britain. That's better than Little Sims. Anyway, that's Matt, a digression. So, yeah, yeah Matt, Matt, what do you think? Slow tie. Uh, I thought it was a great album. Um, I love the title. Um, I love everything he has to say. I think he's really, he's telling a lot of stories about people that uh, like, are kind of left behind by our current society. A lot of similar to what kind of Pete was saying, it's representing people that aren't in the discourse as commonly, which I think it was really, like really interesting. All the like interstitial that he put on the album was seemed to me to be quite well thought out. And even like his little story he tells about his um, dad taking him to the football. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's quite funny, but it also like reveals very like a lot about his like family situation and like what was going on with him and how he fits in with everything. Mm. Um, So yeah, but yeah, like the like we've talked about Doorman. It's fantastic. The (laughs) intro song, I really like the way the intro kind of uh, uh, kind of. It's almost like a, yeah, the first song is almost like an introduction and it goes over like lots of different facets of what the album's going to be about. And then the album really kicks in with Doorman. Mm. Um, and then the other, like I was reading about him and he kind of puts his money where his mouth is when he's talking yeah, about this stuff because yeah. he did like a, a tour and tickets were 99, 99p. Yeah, he's now, doing, yeah, he's now doing the $5, the $5 tour in England as well, which is, it says it's called the $5 tour, but it's a, it's a five pound ticket um, <laughs> yeah. which is a bit off but he's it's, ripping him off <laughs> but yeah, so he's, he's gone up from 99p to a 5 so it's yeah, pretty impressive it's, it's very much yeah it's super cool because he's like I don't think anyone else is really delivering in that kind of way mm. to get his message across to the people that he wants to as yeah. opposed to I don't know more middle class people yeah well I think that's it in a way it's like we're all admiring the album but it's, it's not really for us in some respects yeah. but for me, have you, did you, did you finish, Matt? Sorry, before I... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. For me, I mean, yeah. I've been waiting for a 
grime album to really grab me, and this this totally did. I mean, I think it's an absolutely startling piece of work. I think you've said you've all said a lot of what I was going to say. Um, I think the opening two tracks, particularly Dorman, are just like a real punch to the guts. They just really wake you up, and then I I think that he sets his stall out with that bit when he calls the Queen a cunt. I think this is his. Yeah. It just shows you where he's willing to go to, and I think it's kind of like. For me, it makes me think of like the punk movement, and it's like you know, it's about it's like a battle cry. I feel this album, and I think that's re- it's really powerful. Um, but I think what makes it so successful as an album as a whole for me is the way he switches between the political and the personal, and he kind of riffs on nationalism, poverty, drug addiction, and crime, but all with an eye on like how politicians have caused that, but then tell stories how that relates to his life. And like the story, the song Northampton's Child, I think is the best song on the album. And that's a song all about his mum leaving home when she was 16 and she was pregnant and just all the things that she goes through. And it's a really, really strong way of linking the personal and the political, I think. Yeah. And I, I had already written down about the skit about his, his dad and the football. For me, I think it's little things like that that make this such a relatable album. It's like, I actually have memories of me and dad going to watch Nottingham Forest and dad saying he had tickets and he didn't and has been like walking around <laughs> in it. and it's such a relatable memory because it's it's just for so true for a lot of people like that desperation to do what your kid wants and to give them something that will make them happy but actually not really been able to do it at the full price so you're taking them there and trying to find a cheap way in or climb over a fence or something it's just it's just wow. so relatable and then as Pete said at the start it's also a really funny album um really touching and for me I think it's it's a contender for album of the year for me I think it's wow. that it's that strong. That's um, a bold statement, yeah. And I think, I think I can imagine... From anywhere. I'll just... Yeah. Yeah, wow. It's a okay. contender for my album. I don't think it is my album of the year. Okay, think, but it's up there. It's, yeah. it's up there, though. It definitely will be one that I'm considering and one that I yeah. will spend a lot more time with. Um, what I would love to see is a slow tie and idols joint headline tour. I think <laughs> both doing oh, very oh, similar God. things at the minute, both really crying out to a particular audience and both making really powerful political statements. And I think... Um, I don't know if anyone watched... Slow Ties um, set at Glastonbury on the telly. This one, I've been catching up with loads of it. I recommend you watch it yet now. It's, it's amazing and it's kind of, it's just so powerful. And he's just, it just seems like a really nice lad as well. You look at him and you look like, oh God, that guy would probably kill me if I ever met him. But he's, he's just, <laughs> he seems like an absolute legend. So yeah, massive fan. So yeah, right. I think that's us okay, for that's that Slow Ties. Big nice. Okay, Big so, yeah, that's pretty positive all round. We should get some more cynical stuff now. So, Nick, this album probably sets you up to be cynical. Okay. This al- sorry, this question. This question. But which album did you think missed the mark a little bit of what it was trying to say? Did you think any of them did? That there was a. Yeah, uh, it is a very difficult question. As we were talking about before we started recording, it's increasingly difficult to get good questions yeah. in this podcast. You know, that are kind of fresh and stuff. So, I see where you're coming from with it. But um, I suppose I will go with. Uh, Fujia and yeah. uh, what's the other Miyagi. one? Miyagi. Miyagi. Flashback. Uh, Miyagi. Flashback, yeah. So um, I found this, and, and I'll say that in the context of this, I'll give some context to this and say I don't do the research. Almost never do I do the research like Fran does the research. Mm. So, and that's really, I fell into the habit, but now I think it's actually a conscious choice because I really want to come to it without any contextual information that kind of drives me to draw a conclusion before I've listened to it enough, you know? So I'm sure there are many ways this can be explained, but for me, the album doesn't make sense in a lot of ways. It feels Mm. like it's either very silly, trying to be very silly, 
but it's en- but it's actually a little bit too serious to be silly. Yeah. Or trying to be serious and just unbelievably melodramatic to the point where it's silly. Um, and and I, I really struggled with it. I listened to it a fair bit and um, didn't hate it musically, but I just couldn't get my head around what what it was really shooting for all the time. There were some really uh, bizarre lyrics like the one about from first place about if you're an ice cream you'd lick yourself. Yeah. There, were, there were hundreds of examples along those lines. Um, so I just. But would you I, let yourself if you were an ice cream? No, I, I would. That's my no. question for you. Uh, thanks for asking. Yeah. No. Um, but yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I think <laughs> <that's what you're laughs> that lyric makes sense, right? Oh god. It's like self-destructive behavior. Ah, oh, so it's, it's Ooh, profound. Just saying. I thought that. Interesting. Yeah. Nice. I just thought you liked the taste of raspberry ripple or something. <laughs> Okay, fair enough. Um, so uh, to me, the, the album's a bit of a mystery. It remains so all the way to this, this today, basically. And uh, I'm not really... I don't know if I'll go back to it ever, really, because of that. It, it just doesn't gel. It doesn't, doesn't, isn't coherent or doesn't, it doesn't quite achieve what I, I guess, either of the goals I guess it could be trying to achieve. So, yeah, that's, okay. that's me on it, yeah. Well, as, my, as I'm not a million miles away from you with this album, I suppose yeah. I'll go, go next. I think okay. it did grow on me a little bit. Um, there'd be those times when I was sat on the bus and I'd find myself tapping along to it and uh, trying to lick your own face trying to lick my own face <laughs> yeah. but that's the PCP though wasn't it but I think that was when I wasn't listening closely I could kind of enjoy the music for what it was if I didn't listen closely but if I listen too closely I think it's fucking ridiculous <laughs> <laughs> I think um, does anyone watch Mike, do you watch Mighty Boosh do you watch Fight the Concords yeah okay yeah. They all sound like Flight of the Concords yes. or Mighty Boosh songs, right? They all, they all need, trying to, that's what they did. They need Jermaine or yeah. or they need <laughs> Vince Noir. And like, Personal Space you mentioned, didn't you? I think Personal Space absolutely needs Jermaine and Brett in the video. It's, it's, it's a Flight of the Concords song. But, I mean, I'm not someone who sits at home and listens to Flight of the Concords or Mighty Boosh songs. I think some people do. Yeah. But I like to watch the programme. I think they're brilliant. Joe I wouldn't see him in concert. Joe I probably would go and see him in concert because it's a comedy show. But yeah. I wouldn't sit there and listen to it at home. And this is what this was a bit <laughs> like. Um, Dying Swan Act, which is easily the most annoying song on this playlist. Um, yeah. Again, that, <laughs> yeah. that should have had Vince Noir and Howard Moon in the video. But then there's the song Gammon, right? Which closes the album, I think. It's got some of my favourite parts of the album. Like There's a few lines, like the line about you Google Google. I just thought it was brilliant. Like, for an insult to somebody, you Google Google. I mean, that's a brilliant way of just calling someone an idiot and an irrelevant idiot, basically, which I thought was great. But it managed to have the most irritating music on the playlist. So, yeah, a mixed bag that I don't... I want to bag. A mixed bag in there. I think it had some things going for it, though. I do think there was... And I think, interestingly... You picking it for the answer to which one missed the mark? I think I would say the same because I think it has some things in there, like having a song called Gammon and laying into certain types of people, but it does it in a really weird way. It doesn't properly hit home in the end, I think. So that's me, Pete. You go for it. Yeah, so I wrote Flight of the Concords right at the very top of my little notes there. I mean, I think. Nick, you said, you know, musically, it's not, it's not uninteresting. Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, it could be a new order B-side a lot of it. Yeah, it's, yeah. Not, it's not a million miles away from that. But the instant he starts singing, I'm sitting there and thinking, is it a joke? Oh, is it yeah, a joke? Yeah, Sorry. Yeah. 
You know, when he's when he's doing what for me is a Jermaine impression, saying you're invading my personal space. Yes, that bit. It's particularly. It's just, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just. But isn't that's the problem for me? The biggest problem is to cut in. That that's it's just not funny enough. No. It's yeah. not actually Jermaine yeah. level funny. Yeah, 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 you know? that's it, isn't it? So that's the, then you lose either way. You know. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Go ahead, sorry. And the only other thing I was going to say was obviously we're charting a little political line because slow tie is obviously really political. Yeah. With gammon, I think that. Who knows what's going through yeah, your mind, yeah. but it's a political line, yeah. you know, and you can definitely, there's definitely other records on this list that you can kind of yeah. tie that political line through with, but yeah, I mean, what's interesting to me is, I think I can listen to Slow Tie and other records, other albums that we're discussing today, right, and you can't not listen to them, mm. they intrude upon you, yeah, yeah. and yeah. this one can go on without your involvement. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> this one's closer to being wallpaper, I think, yeah. than any of the others. Wallpaper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think that comes into what I was saying about sometimes I'd find myself tapping along to it if I was reading or something on the bus, but if I actually spent the time to listen to it, I just, yeah, like you say, it's a not quite funny enough version of some very good comedy shows. Yes. Matt, you love it, don't you? Uh, no. Oh. <laughs> I think it's okay. The first half, the first half is like pretty derivative and forgettable, I'd say. Um, I think it sounds like a bunch of other bands, similar beats. A couple of times I thought I was listening to Hot Chip or LCD Sound yeah, System. Yeah. Um, but, but I think around praise. the halfway point... Or is that praise? Because you love LCD Sound System, so is that, that's a good thing, is it? Or are you well, just saying they're too derivative? If they're just... Some, some of it, it just felt like it literally the same beat, so there's okay. just no creativity at mm, all. Mm. Um, and like you say, like it's... The way he delivers, it's kind of a drone almost. So it just didn't, it didn't grab me mm. or do it. Yeah, it felt very passive, like you guys were saying. Um, but I, it kind of got funkier towards the end. I felt like there was a bit more of a like Giorgio Morador kind of vibe towards the end. Does he and, sing about <laughs> And that's when I, yeah, that's when I liked it. I started okay. to like the end. And the tracks like Subliminal and Gammon. Yeah, so we talked about Gammon a bunch. It's the best track, I think. Um, but is it? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> it both is and isn't. Because it's the most interesting song, I think. And there is some great lines in there, like the, um, you're shouting at Spanish tourists. You're showing the Spanish people in England in Spain or something. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, but yeah. There's some clever lines in there, but also the music's horrible. See, I really like the music. I really like the slow build, and I really like the more kind of him not attempting to sing, him just like talking. Yeah, I really like that whole that whole the whole thing. Um, I think as an album, it was just fine, and it was weird just to have just such a political twist at the end. So I just yeah. You picked this, Matt, right? Yeah. This is their ninth They're... album. Did you already know them? No. I, I've heard, album. Like, I, yes, I'd heard yes. one. I read that yesterday. Yeah. So you did the research. Well, I always do the research on the last day, though. I don't like to <laughs> research at the start. I do it at the last day. Yeah, you do. Yeah. You're in the library. This is their ninth yeah. album. Um, yeah. They, I know that they've been around for a while. They're a Brighton band, so I've known them from home. Um, I you said they were American. No, I just said I know they weren't Japanese, despite having a Japanese name. Ah. I didn't know where no, they were from. But... Pretty sure they're just a bunch, couple of white guys. Yeah, four, four as, of them. As four. most bands. As most bands, are, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Are we done with... I think so. Yeah. 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 Okay, Matt. So we're back to you. So was there an album on the playlist you thought wasn't trying to say much at all, really? And is that a good or a bad thing in the case of that album? This might be the easiest question. Yeah. uh, Because I thought (laughs) this was Matt DeMarco's album. Yeah. Uh, Here Comes the Cowboy. I didn't... I 
didn't think this was trying to say anything, and it was <laughs> choo choo. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I don't think it's it is worse for it, but so I used to listen to Mac DeMarco. Uh, I was obsessed with it, like in twenty him in twenty twelve ish. He released the album Two, and then he also re- released Salad Days, and they were like both very like really fun albums that are very laid back. They're like perfect albums for like a Saturday morning or if you're on a picnic and it's sunny outside. And it's very sickly sweet music, but also just very chilled and laid back. This like really nice folk. And with this, he came and he made something kind of mopey and mundane. And it just was a bit crap, I think. I, I walked <laughs> Wow. He's not the technical terminology just... there. It was it's just, just a bit crap. <laughs> <laughs> Years of journalism coming into play. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think if you're going to be in this like in this genre, uh, like most people trade on like super insightful lyricism. Mm. If you're going to be so stripped back, you have to have something that comes to the fore. And he doesn't have that. He's very repetitive. Yeah. And like the most interesting thing I found about the album is it's called Here Comes the Cowboy, and it has a track called Nobody. And we covered an album by Mitski. Yeah. And there was some hoo-ha about that, wasn't there? There was some there was some yeah, battling on Twitter, I think, about yeah, that. Yeah. 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 And so like that was the most interesting. And so if we're not talking about the actual music, that means there's something wrong. Yeah, apparently mm-hmm. he had to apologize. he apologized. I mean he had to. He apologized yeah. to Mitski because there was a there was confusion but the labels or something, and that's why they ended up putting out albums within a short time of each other that were yeah. very similar in name and songs and yeah. album titles. I mean, it's a weird one. I don't really know where. I feel like, for me personally, I felt that was maybe a part where we went a bit too far as a world, really. Like, oh, you mean when we cared about that issue? The fact yeah. that... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, they've both got Cowboy in the title and they've both got a song called Nobody. It's There's like, nothing more important going on in the world politically yeah. right now than the naming of Max Marco's album. I think his reaction to it was <laughs> a bit shit, but, it, again, do I care? Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Are you done, Matt? Yeah. Pete? Yeah. Mac yeah. Marco. That's my reaction. Uh. This felt like the longest album I've ever listened to in my life. <laughs> I'd kind of like listen to it and it'd feel like it had been on for hours. And then, yeah. and then I'd be like track six and I'd like, oh my God, it's not even halfway through yet. <laughs> um, and the thing it reminded me of more than anything else, have you all seen Animal House? So there's a point in it where John Belushi's making his way down the stairs and there's kind of like a good looking guy surrounded by girls and he goes, my love is like a cherry that has <laughs> no stone. And then John Belushi takes his guitar and smashes it against the wall <laughs> and then goes, sorry, that's Matt DeMarco. Okay, okay. And were you already a fan? Were you no. a fan at all? Because you chose it, didn't you? So, so I chose this, right, because... My, my son's really into Mac DeMarco, okay. but from 2012, okay. and he's going to see him this year. And so I thought, well, I've not heard this yet. Okay, yeah. this is an opportunity to listen to this yeah. album. Now, after I'd kind of pushed it your way, sorry, yeah. My, my, yeah. my son went, yeah, it's not his best. <laughs> and I thought, okay, well, at least I can stand yeah. it up here and he won't sit there and go, Dad, that's so unfair. Yeah. But I thought it was so terrific, it sent me to sleep. Cool. Right. Well, there we go. But for right. me, I'll go. Yeah. Um, Mac DeMarco has been it so many festivals that I've been to, like nearly every festival I've been to in the last six years, and I haven't seen him. Because what I, I, I do this thing when I go to a festival is I'll, I'll, you know, I'll listen to every artist on there at least once and see, you know, if, I, if someone, if I take someone a little bit, I'll spend some time with them. Mac DeMarco, every time I've listened to his latest work and I thought, nah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I thought, I'm all right, you know, it's, 
but so <laughs> even lower than a bit of crap it's just nah yeah. that's what that's the level of discourse yeah. we're at right now but so uh, you know so it was quite kind of interesting for me to to actually have to spend a month with him rather than be able to dismiss him that quickly and i feel bad that you had to do it with this album well well i hated the other albums like even on the first <laughs> listener it's just yeah but there was a couple of things that happened on this album that changed my mind a little bit. The song Nobody, I think, is actually quite beautiful. I think it's a really, mm. really stunning little song. Mm. And I don't mind the song Heart to Heart. Growling in the I background. I feel like my But that's where I'm going to start. Because the guy's just so, so laid back that it sounds like he doesn't give a shit about his own music. So I just spend my whole time thinking, why, why should I? Why should I give a shit about it if you don't give a shit about it? And you're right, mate. You chose the right one for the artist who's got very little to say. There's the song Choo Choo, which I, you know, gave you a little verse of earlier. He just says Choo Choo for three minutes. There's a song Hey Cowgirl, where he just says Hey Cowgirl for three minutes. And there's a song called Baby Bye Bye, which is, of course, the last song of the album, because he's saying goodbye to us. (laughs) And it just really reaffirmed everything I thought about him. So, you know, it's one of those things, isn't it? If someone's not saying a lot, but their music's interesting... Stone Roses, for example, don't say a lot of merit, but the music's really <laughs> interesting. Ian Brown has a career, drags you in, but says fuck all. Um, or vice versa, they might have really fascinating lyrics, amazing lyrics, but don't do a lot with the music. Either of those is kind of okay, but if you've got shit music and you're just making train noises over it, then you've kind of given up on life, haven't you, really? So, yeah. Yeah. That's where I got to with Matt. All right. So, uh, I think I probably hated this less than anybody else. Wow. Um, and I think... Damn it with fake praise. <laughs> Nick really likes trains, though. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm on railway set upstairs, yeah. So, um, I will say, as everyone has said, that Choo Choo is... Uh, for an album of music that's designed and intended for adults is a shocking song. Shocking. Uh, it, it really is just indicative of something that I... The only thing I knew about him which I kept reading stories on like feeds from like Nenemy and stuff saying he's the nicest man in rock or the nicest person in folk or something. What did he do? Yeah, exactly. Is that, is that a good thing? I don't know what, that, what the fuck that means and why, why I'd want to have that award personally. But um, he, uh, so yeah, that's the, the downside stuff. There were, there were a couple of things that I, I tried to see in it that were quite, that I could sort of get on with. And one was the best version of this music would be pavement worst music. Like, there's something summery and drifting and, like, uh, mellow about it that's, that can be quite calming and sort of... Soporific is another term for it, another way of spinning it, but, you know, um, I do think it was... There were times when I thought, OK, well, maybe he's trying to do a, a very, very poor version of the worst pavement song ever kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I know he's a big fan of Jonathan Richmond. OK. I don't know if you know Jonathan Richmond, but, but Jonathan Richmond does all of that oh, but yeah. does it very well his ah. music's quite cute at times okay. but but you go with it okay. but but Mac DeMarco it, it doesn't it doesn't, doesn't work that way. way yeah 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 mm-hmm. uh, I can see that yeah so um, and then the other thing I'd say that I, I was quite uh, interested in or quite like the sound of was the tone of his vocal is recorded very very dry and very very low projection um and I, and I quite enjoyed that. It sounded quite intimate and kind of close when he was doing the song, like the love songs. Although the themes of those love songs were pretty cliched and cheesy, um, I thought the actual tone of it sounded again. It's like a blanket, you know, like a kind of comforting sort of experience. Um, 
And I suppose it came directly after the slow tie, which, which yeah. although I liked a lot more than this, uh, was kind of an exhausting album in a way, the slow tie. Mm. So after that, to get to an album, I was like, okay, well, I can just take a little nap now, a little musical nap now. It's the highest praise, though. It was a musical nap. Yes, exactly. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not suggesting it's a great album by any means, but I, I think it had some redeeming aspects that sort of meant I didn't completely dismiss it immediately. So, yeah, okay. that's what I'd go with, I think. That's it. Have we all said Mac Do you think? Now? Yeah, yeah. Do you think it's more passive than Fujiya and Miyagi, though? Uh, yeah, I'd say it's more passive than that. I, that's yeah. Um, cool. yeah I, I prefer the. I don't know which I prefer actually. Both ones have. I think. Yeah, I probably prefer that, like, this actually to the Fuji. If you're not listening Mac. to Fujiya and Miyagi, though, you can sort of get the. Like I say, it, it can give you a little bit of energy, and it, so if you're not listening closer to it, whereas Mac Marco. It doesn't matter how closely you listen to but it. But another way of looking at it is this album does do what it intends to do. And the f- I mean, that was the question you asked me does about. It, 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 it does not do what it intends to do. Does Mac Marco do what it intends to do? Then what does it intend to do? I think it tends to be a drifting summer sort of ballad kind of music. Surely it tends to have some meaning. Well, well like he's writing some quite slow love song. Yeah, it is. It's very Californian, but in a sort of a pejorative way of looking at Californian music. But yeah, I think you're right. It has got that, that summer sun on the beach. He's an East Coaster, though. But is he, he does yeah. live on the beach. Ah, he lives in New York. But he wants to be right, from California, right? right? You clearly want to be from California, yeah. <laughs> Matt can't really comment on whether he wants to be from California or not. No, I'm, yeah, just, I'm, I'm <laughs> saying it as a fact. I'm saying it as a fact. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Okay, yeah, so that's, so that's Matt Marco. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm going to take us, because obviously there's at least three really big Kate Tempest fans here, so I'm going to take us actually to the classic first and save Kate Tempest. So let's talk about... Easter Everywhere by the 13th floor elevators. Nick, I don't know if you've started one yet, so... Uh, I don't think I have, no. Um, and overall, uh, I quite enjoyed this album and thought uh, it was one of those albums where I enjoyed it. I sort of enjoyed it a bit more than the music led me to because I respected so much about what it was trying to do and how much it was seemed to be um, very new. I did. I did at least glance at a couple of sentences about this band's research. history. I did research, research. exactly. Yeah, I was, I was studious wow. about it, um, and and discovered that they were like a precursor to a lot of other bands. And you could and you could really tell that that was the case. You know, there was it was really like a um, like you know, say a Hendrix. Who you know, is a massive Hendrix fan, and um, Hendrix was was drawing a lot from from this kind of sound, which seemed to seem they under, I understand they they were kind of the ones who had set up or one of the few bands that had set that up. So um, I, I I enjoyed that. It was um, it was it was kind of weird that I'd never ever heard of them, um, mm. and I'm surprised they haven't got more popularity on the basis of the, the production and stuff, but based on the music and stuff. Um, the production uh, is a bit limited. Uh, there's, there's some things are, are fairly, uh, un, you know, talking about blanket again, under a blanket, uh, and obviously it's a, it's a long ago recording. It's, that's fair enough, but uh, not much earlier than some of the bands, other bands I do like, which who do much clearer, much crisper kind of quality recordings, albeit all on very limited equipment, you know. Um, so that was uh, that was a sort of limitation, I suppose. Lyrically, it was. Um, it was obvious era. I don't, I don't think it was cutting any mm. kind of major radical statements that I wasn't expecting from an album of this period. So uh, it did it did okay with that. But I can hear things uh, you talk about in Brown. I can hear the Stone Roses in this quite a lot actually. Mm. Um, and uh, I, I'm a Stone Roses fan, and I would listen to the Stone Roses a lot more than this in the future. But I still think it's it's worth investing time in these bands that are kind of leading those the charge on those kind of genres. So. Uh, yeah, so overall, I thought it was it was worth the time. Um, 
but I don't think I'll return to it that frequently. So yeah. Why are you laughing? <laughs> worth the time. Well, yeah, it was worth the time. Come on. I mean, it's no, not a massive compliment, is it? I think worth the time. Yeah. Do you want you Do you want to go, Matt? You yeah, you should go since he's already started to sure. take my argument apart. Bastard. Um, I. I enjoyed this a lot. I thought it was uh, really interesting. Um, there are some parts I yeah I like less, but um, like the first song was fantastic. The drums in it, the way they kind of drove it forward, and it was just like these rolling drums. Um, Especially after Matt DeMarco. Super into. <laughs> just like Matt DeMarco, yeah. <laughs> um, but for, I don't know. For, yeah, it felt like that ten minute song just like flew by. But mm. for some reason, I don't I don't know what that's sound is in the back it sounds like a turkey <laughs> <laughs> After, wow. I, like, I enjoyed it in the first song but the second song i was like oh <laughs> this is a bit much i totally <laughs> missed this turkey like, i don't know what you're talking about with the turkey it's, like, it's, turkey, it's like, like a about. wobble ball you know what you're talking about. Like, okay do you want to try and have a go matt try and have a go at making the sound because they'll probably recognize it if you do the sound yeah come on matt yeah i uh, really want to hear that but, so much <laughs> if you come on he's not the I don't think the acoustics of my room will allow oh, <laughs> What a cop-out. Uh, so it's like a squawking yeah, sound, is that what you mean? No, it's kind of... So I'm going to do it, Matt, I'm going to... So, so the sound's kind of like a, like a... It's like a rubber-dub sort of... It's like... Throughout every song. It's on every song. Right. In the, yeah, like not in the background, yeah. though. It's slightly higher in some, it's slightly yeah, okay. slower in some, okay. but it's there yeah. throughout the whole oh, thing. It's really now weird. you say that, maybe I do hear that oscillating... Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the turkey, like yeah. I just made a expression, which doesn't work on a podcast. Yeah, Franz, 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 this is completely out of context and nothing to do with anything, but if you ever if any of you watch Little Britain, there's a whole episode about Weight Watchers where she just yeah. makes people eat dust and they're like, I love dust and it, that's just what you sound like. <laughs> I really love I really love dust. Wow, that is possibly <laughs> the most useless story I've ever just, had on this podcast. It just tickled oh my me. God. It just tickled me. But anyway, sorry Matt, carry on, we keep interrupting you. Yeah, we do. Um uh, yeah. I don't Dust. Dust, dust is great. Dust and, anyone? Uh, I think the, the one other thing I had to say was I just I quite liked the production because it sounded very like live and very much like a jam session mm. and it was just them like hanging out and rocking out and just letting the music go where it goes and they recorded it that's the vibe it felt and it felt because like so many albums these days are so produced and it's very purposeful hearing that kind of letting the music lead the way kind of style was really I enjoyed that a lot Okay. Alright. Cool. Well, I'll, I'll jump in. Um, I also really love Dust. <laughs> <laughs> Genuinely, though, I thought Dust was the, the standout song on the album. Um, do any of you know Rodriguez at all? The sort of searching for a sugar man oh, yeah. film. And oh, yeah. yeah. It, it really reminded me of him, and I'm a big fan of him. I, I assume he probably came a bit after. Um, there's also the Dylan cover, Baby Blue, I thought was really, really strong. But I just found that the whole thing really got quite a pleasant surprise. I wasn't expecting a lot from it. Um, yeah. Classics on our podcast so far, they've not really... We've had a couple that we've really liked, but in general it's tended to be a bit of a... Yeah, I can't remember any that we've been really in love with. I mean, there was like Biggie and Nas and stuff yeah. that we really loved. But okay, okay. The hip-hop ones have done it, but then they're sort of... In general, this was for me, it was one of the stronger 
classics we've done. Um, there was a few times when it drifted a bit too Beatlesy for me. I'm not really a Beatles person, right. so there's a couple of songs that are a bit too Beatlesy. But in general, I think it, yeah, it was. As Nick said, it was really worth the time. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm glad I spent time with it. I'm glad, like, because I, I hadn't heard of them at all. No. And there's this little thing when we do classics, and especially when we get a guest, because Pete picked this as his classic. There's, a, there's this thing when we get people to do classics, it's quite difficult because it just ends up going back, back and forth on WhatsApp or email, just someone saying albums that we've all heard, and we just yeah. have to tell them. So it's quite interesting, just none of us had even heard of it. But to pick a band that appears to be as important as this as well. Yeah, and then when I went to read about it, yeah. it was kind of like, ah, do you know what? These are really influential in like a real sort of critics yeah. darling type mm-hmm. band. And yeah. yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I don't have a huge amount more to say. It's just a nice surprise and I'm, I'm glad I, yeah, glad I know them now. Yeah. And I'll listen to more. Yeah. Pete, down to you. So, so I knew Rocky Erickson a bit. There's an album that he did Oh, about 15 years ago called All That May Do My Rhyme which is just ace okay. I mean, it's like acoustic largely acoustic right. but it's just he takes songs from his past and reinterprets them where he is and at that point he'd been through Sid Barrett style acid casualty years in the okay. wasteland and I think he was arrested for mail fraud and he did some dubious shit and all the rest of it and then he came back and did this really gorgeous album called All That May Do My Rhyme and I had that at the time and I listened mm. to it loads and I thought at some point I should go back and listen to 13 Floor Elevators and never did never so this felt like a good opportunity for that and there's lots of bands that I like like Love for example and I can really see mm. like these guys sharing a bill and you know yeah, yeah. I think Love are the better band but mm. but I think they make a lot of great guitar noise which I really yeah. like yeah. Um, the reason I chose it the week that um, the week that kind of we're talking about all this stuff Rocky Erickson died so oh, that's okay. kind of what put it in my mind oh, okay. and then I saw Steve Malkmus on one of MTV something or other saying it's his favourite record ah, so ah, Easter Everywhere is Steve Malkmus's favourite record Nick you mentioned wow. Pavement before yeah, so you yeah. kind of think okay that's interesting, interesting. Yeah. Nick's done Pavement is the why I love on the podcast yeah. in the past yeah, as well yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I think you could go back to I think knowing that Steve Malkmus is Steve Malkmus's favourite yeah. you could go back and go okay and, and see something new in it as well. Yeah. And I think sonically it's quite interesting. And also that implies it's, it's influential because Pavement and Stone Roses don't owe, owe a lot to each other and mm. don't have a lot of connections and yet both of those you can see coming out of this band yeah, so yeah, that yeah, shows how yeah. it's kind of a, a tree that's all yeah. the roots of a tree that kind of come, come apart as it were, yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean I just think, I mean, that irritating noise that Matt mentioned, I, I couldn't get over it. It was just like, oh my God, it's there again. Yeah, it's just yeah. all the way through it. Um, but, when that faded into the background, songs like Nobody to Love and Earthquake, I just thought just the guitar sounds were just massive mm. and you could just lose themselves in it for a bit. I can imagine, you know, taking some lovely 1960s LSD and just <laughs> having a very nice journey on <laughs> yeah. the back of the yeah. dating floor elevators, you know? Yeah, definitely. All right. Let's, should we do that now? Should we start the podcast? Yeah. <laughs> Let's move along and see yeah. do the next album. Okay, well, it's Kate Tempest, The Book of Traps and Lessons. Um... Who wants? Shall I start? I haven't started start. yet. Have I? Yeah, okay. Yeah, um, well, firstly, obviously, I love Kate Tempest, and I think this is a real thing of beauty in a lot of ways. This album, I think, it's a stunning piece of performance poetry, and it keeps up some of the elements from the last album that meant so much to me. I think Brown Eyed Men in particular talks about the experiences of non-white people in the UK after Brexit, and that's something that really means a lot to me. And she addresses it really powerfully, and it's really sort of um, heartbreaking. And also fascinatingly done. Um, but I think what makes this album so stunning in a different way to previous stuff is the optimism that she actually has in some places, which I think is new for her. I think the song Hold Your Own 
is just an absolute masterpiece. It's it's optimism. It's it's there's a few lines around um, when she talks about being on the sofa with your partner and just just keep repeating the line, hold your own, and just sort of reaching out for people to just accept. You know, we've had we have got some fairly good stuff in our lives, and if we just hold on to that a little bit, we can maybe get through some of the the shit that's going on in the world. So it, that made me really emotional. That song um, early on. I think it's probably my favourite song of the year so far, um, and probably will remain there. I think. People's Faces and Fire Smoke also have a similar kind of effect. There's some stuff there. She's carried on that voice of a generation type persona. And in many ways, this is as accomplished an album as Let Them Eat Chaos in some ways. But I can't deny a slight personal disappointment with the album as a whole. Um, and I think, I think it's stunning and powerful and important, but I miss some of the musical aggression of the last time. I miss the sort of bass lines, I miss the driving beats, I miss the anger. I know there's still anger there, but I, I miss the way she presented it a little bit. Um, I think it's a weird one, because part of me thinks if they had a couple of songs that were a little closer to the style of the last album, that might have been better. But, on the other side, I also think it's it's a piece of work in its entirety, and I don't think it would work to put different paces in there. So, it's a difficult one. I think where I come to in the end is that I admire this album as much as I admire the last one, but I doubt that I'll listen to it as often or that I'll still be listening to it for as many years as I've listened to Let Them In Chaos. So it's kind of a real mixed feeling for me in that I know it's a beautiful piece of work, but it's kind of not... It's not, for, it's not as sort of captivating to me as the last one, okay. in a weird way. Um, yeah. The only person I don't know is a fan, for sure, around this table is, is Pete. So let's hear what Pete thinks. So I fucking hated it. Yeah. I'm really sorry. I thought you might. I thought and you it's might. weird, right? It's weird. So, so last year, because of how much you like it, yeah. fan, right, I bought Running Upon the Wires, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I really like that book. I really yeah. like her poetry, right? Yeah. And, and I got a lot out of it. Mm-hmm. Now, the reason I've gone nowhere near Kate Tempest yeah. in recorded form is because I fucking hate performance poetry. Right, okay. If I was ever invited on Room 101, performance, just, just the entire form, yeah, yeah. I would bin it forever. I hate the way people take meaningful pauses. Yeah. I hate the way... <laughs> I hate well, the, the kind of attempts at comedy. I find it really po-faced mm. and all that stuff. And so, so I sort of came to this thinking, don't hate it, don't hate yeah. it, don't hate it. And then I just... I just couldn't listen to it in its entirety. And it's really weird because politically, I think she's bang on. All the things she's saying, I've got yeah. a lot of time. If they were written down, I'd be like, oh my God, I yeah. love well, you. Well, the comes with a vinyl, so. Yeah, and I think I'd be fine with that. But I, I don't think it's, I don't, th- now I sound like a granddad, I don't think it's music. Mm. I think it's performance poetry yeah. against a curtain of sound. Mm. And I kept being reminded of, have you ever heard that Kurt Cobain, William Burroughs thing? where William Burroughs recites one of his shorter works, yeah, or yeah. Kurt Cobain makes noise behind him. Yeah. And it's like, it's very nice. I'm glad two talented people did something in the same room. But it's not, you know, William Burroughs freeform rapping over the top of Kurt Cobain. Yeah, it's yeah. two distinct things. Yeah. And I felt like you could take any of the music on this record and swap it around with any of the words, mm. and it would have been exactly the same. And I'm really sorry. No, you're allowed to no, not be sorry. That's the point Do of not the... be sorry. And I, I, that's why I wanted to come to you after because I... He is crying now, but don't be sorry. <laughs> I imagine <laughs> you weren't a Kate Tempest fan. And I know a lot of people who aren't. It's 
But have you listened to Let Them Eat Chaos? No, so this was the first yeah. the first thing I've tried. I think you should try that because okay. I think this is, and I think this is where my, yeah. I don't want to say a problem with the album because I do love the album, but my why it doesn't live up to the last one to me is that reason. It is yeah. performance poetry in front of some music, which I'm going to go and see her live in October. We're going to go and see her yeah, in yeah. November and I, I will think it'll be amazing, but Let Them Eat Chaos is something different. It's a hip-hop album, isn't it? Mm. It is a rap album. This isn't a rap album. and It is problematic. It is, there is a problem with that, I think, to a degree. But, Matt. Uh, Matt. Yeah? Hi. <laughs> you with us? You, are you listening? Yeah. Uh, do join I'm the conversation. I'm, 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 yeah. I I agree with both you guys. Um, <laughs> I, I agree with both of you. Are you just too hot? You have a heat stroke over there in New York right now. Yeah, pretty much. I'm, I'm melting. So much sweat. Anyway. Uh, no, I, I think you both made valid points that I both I agree with both. It's a different album to Let Them Eat Chaos. It is musically not as integrated um, and that does mean it's different. Um, but I think... There's also a shift in her tone as well, which mm. I really enjoyed her doing this. Rather than telling stories about other people or swinging, like throwing punches, she is talking about very personal and intimate stuff and about how like she's she's found a partner and she's happy. And mm. like the way she talks about relationships and her relationship is, uh, I'm, I'm not, I really, really like, um, really related to some of the metaphors as she's like going through the, the, the trepidations of the, the start and the maintenance of a relationship. And I haven't like had a song where I just like have to stop and listen to it for a while. And when I first heard fire smoke, I was just like, this is, uh, this is stunning. Like her use of imagery is still fantastic here. Yeah. And so it's not, it's not like in let them eat chaos where it's like, let them eat chaos. is like a bomb. It, but this is like more of a, I don't know, this is like a fire. It's a small, smoldering fire. But it still has a lot of uh, impact yeah. uh, within that, I think. But, yeah, I think expecting her to come off after Let Them Eat Chaos and considering her, like, yeah, like her life has moved on, mm. I, I think it's maybe unfair. But I, I wanted something to follow up those punches and it's unfair to kind of expect that, and I'm really happy with what I got instead. But yeah, I can. I'm still disappointed, but also yeah. very happy. <laughs> it's, I'm a like, yeah. it's a weird one. Yeah, I I fully expected before I started listening this automatically to be my favorite album on the list yeah. without uh, listening to anything. And, and it, it wasn't. Was no. No. Wow. Me neither. Okay. Uh, so, um, I am also, give some context, a massive fan, uh, seen her twice and went to the book, we went to the book reading together yeah, with Anne. Where, um, where she recited the whole yeah. first chapter without looking at it. Which yeah, she had in the house, just, just started, opened the book and then she looked, put it down <laughs> around pretty much and just read yeah. the whole thing, it was mental. That's nuts. Uh, yeah, yeah, she, she is an unbelievable talent and, uh, and Let Me Chaos was probably the best album, in fact, both of those two albums are probably possibly my best album of those years. So certainly Tunnel Vision off at the end of the last mm. album was mm. unbelievable. Um, I have to say, though, the simple statement I'd make is, where is the music in this music, I would say? like mm. I don't feel like this is a musical album. I feel like this, a little bit like Pete's saying, but not nearly so, uh, with as much <laughs> angst. <laughs> is, that's fine. Um, is is um, 
it's just not a musically strong album. In fact, it's, I don't even say strong. I, I feel like it's recitation of unbelievable, unbelievably clever words over synth sounds a lot. Yeah. And whereas the previous two albums had some really great driving beats, some like real like flow over those beats. This was so freeform in its construction, lyrical construction, that I was it, it was unfortunate. It was really a missed opportunity. And now that said. It's called the book of Traps and Lessons. Maybe she intended, and I'm sure, probably she did intend, to read something that was more literary in that sense and less musical. But mm. for my purposes, on the, what is fundamentally a music podcast, I can't review this album as if it's a great piece of music because it is not a great piece of music. It's a great piece of writing with some sounds behind it. And that's really a sad thing, honestly. And I will say that... While I absolutely love the last album, and I think she was, um, as I've said, I think I've written down on the, on the site before, I think she was robbed of a Mercury. Um, when she did the Mercury performance for the second album, um, there was a point where they just dropped out, music just dropped down, and she did like a minute of like just free form, just mm. going through the lyrical stuff. And, and some of it was different from the original lyrics on the album, some of it was the same. And the drift of that was very, very clever and well executed, but I just thought to myself, wow, I hope she realises that, that the reason that she might not want a Mercury, maybe, is that, she's, is that this sounds like it's not music, it sounds like it's a poet, a really good poet, mm. and she is a really good poet, and novelist, and all those aspects, but she also needs to be a musician if she wants to be reviewed pod- favourably by a musical podcast, you know, which maybe she doesn't <laughs> give a shit about us, that's <laughs> she doesn't give a shit about, about anybody who says yeah. that, but just for me, I'll be honest, it was disappointing. Um, and also, I will say, I have to say, I'm really surprised you said it was so upbeat, Fran. Um, I thought it was a bit like, I've said this, I think, on podcasts before, but I always use this example. There's this film, Wally, you know, the Wally, the Disney film, the cartoon film. Yeah. And, it, and it's really, really depressing all the way through, and then at the end has a turn. And like, but it's not enough. The weight of the depressing stuff on it, the morbidly depressing sort of tone of it, it still overwhelms the, the happy ending. Now, no, I'm not saying. There's real optimism in this album. I know, I know there is, but it, wasn't it, doesn't offset it. It. it doesn't offset it enough. It just, uh, certainly in the first half in particular, I just felt like it was just a weight of like, oh my God, this is hard work in, in all those senses that mm. I've talked about. You know, so, um, you know, what a writer and with the right musical production behind her, what a musician as well. You know but not on this album, no. Rick Rubin produced this album. Okay, well, that, that's not necessarily. That's yeah. great, but that's not necessarily the gold no, standard for most for no, me. That's just fascinating for me. Like Rick Rubin, I thought is you were going to say Adrian Utley or Joe Jeff Barrett. No, like Rick Rubin is someone who is, you know, so well respected and mm. has had. So, and actually, I've read some fascinating stuff about this album. Like Rick Rubin and Kate were working on this in the studio, and Jay Z came in. I'd never met Kate. I'd never heard any of her music, and he actually went. His last album was. You'll know, Matt. What was the last album? Was it four forty four? Was it called? Or? Oh, I don't, I'm not yeah, sure. I, I haven't was. listened to Jay in a while. Something along those lines. Anyway, yeah. he came in and he yeah. literally said, he watched Kate Tempest and Rick Rubin working on this album and he said, I'm going home to rewrite my album. <laughs> so yeah. I think there's some real, like, yes, it's a piece of performance poetry and yes, I've just said I'm disappointed with it, but I also actually think if that's what she wants to do at this point in her career. I'll see, fine. But that's her prerogative yeah. to do that. But my prerogative as a reviewer of music is to review the music and it isn't musically strong. It's lyrically strong it's is it really piece of writing? It's getting there. <laughs> it's funny, I've be I read the same thing as you've read, mm. right? And I kept feeling like I'm not getting something. Because yeah. I was reading that she was really labouring over it. Mm. Do you know what I mean? That her and Rick Rubin were labouring over it, yeah. really putting time in to do something. Mm. And I thought, it's just leaving me cold. What am I not yeah. getting? Yeah. You know? Because and Rick Rubin won't be able to support 
the production of her lyrics or her, you no. know what her poetry. So I, yeah. you're right. I, I, I'm really I haven't heard this, the story about River until now, but mm. I'm really bemused by the idea that he's worked hard on it because. It's not a musical oh. album. It's not a musical album. It's a bit it, piece he, of performance poetry. He could have helped with the delivery. I don't hate performance like, poetry, but still. Sorry? He, he could have helped with her delivery, right? There's a lot of work to yeah, making sure that she pauses at the right moment. And that's like, true. I mean, and they she's, spent she's, years she's making this album. Jesus Christ. Apparently, they were making this before, like, the new chaos. <laughs> oh, my God. So, it's, wow. been a long, it's been in the works a long time. Right. Well, I'm, 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 I'm upset, honestly. Curious what? Like, See it live because she'll have yeah. her full setup from the past tour, and yeah, she'll have to do songs off that as well, won't she? And yeah. so, well, are, are, the, are the are the band just going to walk off when she does this stuff? <laughs> I mean, last well, time she did is... the album from start to finish, didn't she? When we the started, last we set this year, she did. Yeah, um, she did four songs from the first two albums, and then she stopped and did this album in its entirety. In its entirety, yeah. right. which is what okay. she'll do, I think, for the majority of the tour. Yeah, yeah. Because she's very yeah. clear on the fact that this is a narrative. It's a narrative in yeah, its yeah. piece. And, and the other two were, were fantastic in that way. I mm. love the theme, I love the sort of concept behind both albums. Uh, that all worked brilliantly, in, and this works brilliantly in that sense as well, but it's not a piece of music. Sorry. Well, Hold Your Own is stunning, right? Come on, I'll just say it's Oh, yeah. It's a, yeah, it's a, it's a great own. piece of music. Like Hold Your Own, Pete. <laughs> Silence on the line. <laughs> no, not even hold your own. I mean, it's yeah. I'm quite. I, I expected to be apart from possibly Peter the dissenting voice and saying I was disappointed, but you, you've just yeah, yeah. There you go. It's always oh. a surprise on this thing. There we go. So that's Kate Tempest. So that oh. pretty much leaves us with Pete telling us why he loves someone whose name I can't pronounce. Mark Mulcahy. Mark Mulcahy. Yeah, I've said it multiple times now. But I'm not getting <laughs> it. Yeah. No. Mark Mulcahy. It's just like it looks on the page. It's just Mulcahy. <laughs> Mark Mulcahy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. All right. So, so off Pete. you go. Mark Mulcahy. Okay. So, um, before I was aware of him, he was in a band called Miracle Legion, who were contemporaries of REM. Um, and I was really into REM, but I wasn't aware of Miracle Legion. Um, in 2001, I went to see a band I really loved and loved called American Music Club, and he was supporting them on his own, and I was blown away by him. I thought he was just great, and I bought the album that he was touring at that time, which I think was Smile Sunset, um, and I just I just was a sucker for him, and I think he's you know great, and I like his voice, and I like his lyrics, and I like his tunes, and all of that stuff, right? And then in 2008, his wife died. Okay. And it was it was all the the tidbits you could find really because it's not like he's a major star it's not like he's on the front of the mirror like hey what will happen with Mark Mulcahy mm. Th- those people who were talking about him were saying yeah that, he's done now he's got two girls he won't be doing anything anymore in two thousand and nine there was like a tribute album for him because obviously he was in financial trouble called Chow My Shining Star and Tom York's on there and Michael oh, wow. Stipe's on there and lots that, yeah. of massive names were on mm. there um, wow. and all those people. Well, I know that Tom York covers Hey Self Defeater. He's covered it yeah. live gigs before and things like that. So I know that he's like a songwriter, songwriter. Mm. Um, but in 2009, it's like, yeah, there are going to be no more Mark Mulcahy albums. And there wasn't another album until 2013. And in 2013, when Dear Mark J. Mulcahy, I Love You mm. came out, I mean, it's an amazing record. It's a really, really good record. It's probably his best record, right? And when that came out, I had this combined, yay, Mark mm. Mulcahy's mm. made a new record together with the fact that I thought he'd made a really good album as well. Yeah. And then since then, he's continued performing and putting stuff out. There have been two more albums since then. And it gives me joy that he's in the mm. world and able to make music and be a single dad and deal with whatever troubles thrown his way. And since since he's come back, 
there's been like a Miracle Legion tour, they've reformed and done a tour. He was in another band called Polaris, they've reformed and done a tour. So he's obviously embraced a certain level of, of commercial return where he plays very small venues yeah. and the people who go and see him love him and it gives him enough to get by and make new stuff. I think, okay, that's great, right? Yeah. But when I think about his songs, when I think about a song like Cookie Jar, which is on the playlist, mm. I just think that is a beautiful conceit and it's carried out so well all the way through. And it's obviously someone reaching out to someone else who's in trouble, yeah. but it's done as if they're confectionery. And so at the end, <laughs> when he says, preserve yourself, it's just, it's just, it gives me such comfort. And I know that if I'm ever having a bad day or feeling blue and Cookie Jar comes on and Martin Kay saying to me, preserve yourself, <laughs> it feels like a hug. It's, that's, uh-huh. it's powerful. But at the same time, um, I think, He's beautifully lyrically choice, right? So if you look at a song like She Makes the World Turn Backwards, which begins impolite and insecure, and in spite of it all, he thinks she's perfect. It's just, it's just, it has the quality of a really good short story Mm. for me. It's like it's all there. And I think he's hilarious. So if you have a song like Let the Fireflies Fly Away, and he talks about the penguins and the hullabaloo that they make, there's not enough songs with the word hullabaloo in. (laughs) (laughs) Um, When I saw him, last time I saw him live and he did that song, he looks like a Muppet version of John Travolta when he's singing. He's got a really big mouth, and when you see his mouth form the words hullabaloo, it just gives me tremendous joy. <laughs> um, and then I think That's such a good image. <laughs> he's a Muppet John Travolta. And then the last thing I'll say, I think that um, there's lots of his songs that just feel like just bullets of joy to me. So when I hear a song like Jimmy, when I which which has a chorus that goes, he's a little bastard, <laughs> which is just great. Um, a song like Prop Star, I think is great. Um, it's just joyful noise to me. And I can completely appreciate that people wouldn't like it, but for me, it's joyful noise. Say that with a little bit of defensiveness to you expect to come there. I don't care if you hate it, I love it. That's allowed, that's allowed. Where are we going? Who do you want to go to? Fran, let's go to you. Well, what's really interesting to listen to what you've just told us about his story about his wife, though, and and that album being. That was the first album after. What's the album called? Um, Dear Mark Mark J. Mulcahy, I Love You. Because what I've written in my notes is that. That is the first part on the playlist where I like really get him and really those two songs which are She Makes the World The World Turn the backwards, backwards, yeah. And Let the Fireflies Fire, the two songs that I really love. Yeah. The, the two my favourite two songs and I think there's there's a bit of bite yeah. about those songs that yeah. isn't always there. I think yeah. the bite's there lyrically a lot of the time, but yeah. not always musically. Yeah. And I think it's there in both respects in those two songs and I think maybe that's a little bit of anger at something that's been happening in his life and things that happen. So it's really interesting to me to hear because that, that was the part on the playlist that changed for me. That was where I noticed, like, oh, something's different. And so that's really interesting to hear. And I think, yeah, so he's there, that's what really stood out to me. I'll be honest, like, playlist, it's mixed. It's a mixed bag for me. I can think sometimes it's a little bit too sweet, almost, yeah. in its delivery, which isn't always my thing. You know, I like angry <laughs> shit. I like miserable people. <laughs> and sometimes he's not miserable enough. for that, yeah. Um, but what I would like to do, and it's interesting for you to say that's his best album, what I, what I think I will do is now that we're through this month and listen to it, I want to spend some time with that album because those are the songs that made me, and a couple of the songs after as well, but they're the songs that really I thought, oh, right, right, I'm, I'm getting this now, I'm getting this. Yeah, so I totally it's, recommend that record. It's, um, I'll be listening to that album. I think, yeah, in total, 
is a mixed bag. It's it's not someone I was instantly drawn into, but I think the more time I spent, the more I liked him. And then those two songs particularly stood out to me. Interesting why you're talking about him doing small venues and stuff. Did you go and see him in Gulliver's? In, I did. Yeah, in like yeah, yeah. recently. Like yeah, like wow. tiny little pub. Yeah, that's uh, really to, to hear that he's got like Tom York covering him yeah. and that kind of thing. Is, I've, I've heard, weirdly, <laughs> yeah. never picked up on it. I've seen Tom York on YouTube singing a song called Hey Self Defeated yeah. and it didn't twig with me because it sounds so different, yeah. obviously. Tom's going to do something a bit different with it. Well, he's not sexy, do you know what I mean? He's yeah. never, there's never going to come, unless someone puts him in like a Paul Rudd film or something, yeah. there's never going to come a point <laughs> where he gets a sudden point <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He'll always be able to let yeah. that. Yeah, but he's good at what he does, and yeah, it was, it was. I don't want to say worth the time again like Nick did, but I, you know, it was an interesting... Jesus. That was a positive remark, I thought. The catchphrase of the podcast It now. is, apparently, yeah. Worth the time. Yes. Can yes. you podcast, worth the time. <laughs> no, that's not worth the time. No. Uh, so... <laughs> Yeah. Should I jump in? Yeah. Yeah, go for it. Um, go for it. Yeah, I uh, I think I, I really enjoyed this uh, overall, and uh, I uh, was really I, I again did the tiny bit of research. I had heard about his wife passing. I had heard about the Tom York connection, um, and uh, I must say, although I liked it, I was really really surprised that Tom York likes it. Honestly, it doesn't. It just mm. doesn't seem to gel that he would be something that he. You know, I haven't heard the version of the song you're talking about. That he's coming. Tom York has very very uh, taste, mate. Yeah, yeah. Put it yeah, out there. Yeah. You may notice that his albums are quite varied. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but still, this is this is as you said yourself, very like uh, almost lovable at times. Mm-hmm. You know, like, very upbeat, lovable stuff, and that's uh, it. Just doesn't sound like a Tom York kind of exploit, really. But um, but yeah, I, I really liked um, the intimacy, like a bit like, and this is it's way better than Mac DeMarco, way better. Let me just be very very clear before it's, I say this. There's intimacy in the vocal delivery, yeah. though, that's quite personal and quite, uh, again, using the dryness of the, you know, very little reverb and stuff on the vo- on the box, and that um, was really nice to hear. And, and again, it was good because while the Mac DeMarco was pretty vacuous, this seemed like it had a lot more going on, and therefore it was kind of delivered when Mac DeMarco failed to deliver. Um, so that was really good. And then I, I think I'm probably my favourite track was probably uh, is it Let the Fireflies Fly Away? Is that the full yeah. title? Yeah. So um, a really strong. Vocal performance all the way through it. Uh, I loved the harmony work on it. I thought that was really nice. Um, there were times uh, where Franz, as Franz sort of implied, I think, or said, um, where it sounded a bit too sort of almost syrupy at times. You yeah. know, like so, so, so sweet, so kind of um, clean. You know, that I wanted, mm-hmm. I wanted to go into some death grips or something. You know, yeah. but um, yeah. in general, <laughs> uh, I think it was, I think it Don't was really. <laughs> It's a great reason. Uh, yeah, so in general, I thought it was a really interesting playlist. I will come back to it, um, and I will explore a bit more. Cause, so how many albums have you got all together, did you say? Oh, five or six, I think. Wow, okay, well, so there's a lot more. The, the 2013 one. Okay, okay, so there's a lot more to dig into. Yeah, 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 a lot more to dig into then, and that uh, sounds really worthwhile, yeah. So, um, yeah, that's all I have to say about it. I think I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, thank you for introducing me. Nice. So that leaves Matt. Matthew. Yeah, and annoyingly, I feel pretty much the same as uh, Fran. <laughs> Uh, I, I found it both kind of really memorable, but then also some parts for quite forgettable. Um, and I realised... So You're the man of contradictions today, Matt. What? You're the man of contradictions today. Yeah. Well, I realised when I started to actually pay attention to what I was listening to, it was that one album, uh, uh, Mark, Mark Cahey, I Love You. Um, and I'm definitely going to, as Fran said, check that album out more. Because I think every time I realized I was really like getting really into it, it was one of those tracks specifically. Um, 
I Poison Candy Heart was my favorite, mm-hmm. and I think the the lyrics though, and especially that album, were just um, really, really uh, interesting and fun, but also bittersweet. Mm-hmm. And I uh, yeah, I love or pretty much most music that kind of gets that bittersweet line. Um, and so I thought that was really, really fun and interesting. And yeah, like the comparison to Mac DeMarco, I also wrote down um, and was thinking about because yeah, this is what happens when you have a similar like kind of that folky aesthetic and you actually have good lyrical content. And mm. so I think uh, you can really see where like the contrast between the two albums, I think listening to them um, not too far apart from each other. Mm. Um, and, but yeah, I'm really glad that I got to listen to this and I'm going to definitely deep dive deep on that album because I really, really liked it. Well, there we go. You want, I put you some want. money in Mark Mulcahy's pocket. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, you are victorious. Yeah. You actually got the picky bastard to the line. It was interesting to see when I saw Independent Conference because I, I think I just presumed a lot of the time when people bring some, someone here with someone who's, who's you know massive in some respects, and obviously it's not. So it's nice to it's nice to get to talk about an artist yeah. who is kind yeah. of yeah not as known, which we did with Lewis with, with a CTM, was it the Lewis brought yeah. us as well? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that was a local one, but Danish local. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. right, thanks very much cool. for that. Yeah, brilliant. Cool. Well, so, we didn't do this. I'm going to just quickly nip back and say, other than the what Mucky, who usually we'll ask who's had what favourite album people has. What, what was oh, your favourite of the list? Of, we won't include Mark McClay because uh, that yeah, yeah, that's fair. Uh, I'll probably go with Slow Tie, Slow I guess. Yeah, uh, yeah. Go with Slow Tie as well. Slow Tie. Okay. Mm. Okay. Can well, yeah, so I'm going to go with. You're going to go with Kate Tempest. No, I'm going to go with Slow Tie. Oh, Slow Tie. Yeah. Full House. Wow. Four, four votes for Slow Tie. Wow. Okay, yeah. so everyone should go and check that out if they haven't That's already. Right. Um, I really thought Kate Tempest was, when we put it together, I was like, Oh, I did. We'll yeah. still be banging on this was, I was I was crying over this album. I was cr- not just because it was so depressing. I was crying because <laughs> I was so disappointed. But yeah, anyway. Oh, We're going to go see him now. I'm going to put tickets. No, I'm looking forward to seeing it. Yeah, no, it's still It's still great. It's yeah, it's still great. It's just It's just not Let Them Eat Chaos, is it? No, it's not. But I'm going to listen to that on the Dude. way home. Yeah, listen to oh, it. I'd listen, listen to, to your television. Listen to the last okay. song on it. Tweet us. Right. Tweet us when yeah. you have well, listened to it. Let us know what you think. Because be really, I am really interested yeah. to see because tweet it's very us at Picky Bastards. At Picky Bastards. <laughs> <laughs> totally perfect segue there. Yeah. <laughs> and before we move Tedious. on to um, talk about next time, yeah. I thought it would be a nice chance to give Pete a chance to plug anything he wants to do. Anything you want to... We have uh, an interview with. Well, so the next episode of the Bookmudge podcast uh, is the first episode to be done by someone else. Okay. So, okay. so it's being Ooh. done by my co editor, Valerie O'Riordan. She's interviewing a lady called Wendy Erskine about her book called Sweet Home. And it's one of those books that everyone's talking about on Twitter. Okay. So I think the combined double whammy of me not doing it. And a book everyone's talking about <laughs> means this will be our biggest episode. And of course, and the rest of the Piggy Bass's link. Yeah, obviously, well, that's now I think you've got to credit right. all of the extra listeners yeah. you get to this moment <laughs> yeah. right now. So, on the back of this, I'll be getting like, you know, like Amazon approaching me to yeah. advertise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. you know, your next, uh, yeah, it'll be Stephen I'll King. Be cutting, your I'll next, be cutting you off soon. I won't be talking to you anymore <laughs> when I'm in the south of France recording, you know, in the studio. Pete tried to get me to do an episode of the podcast, but Nick will, Nick will, like this, I did not have the technology or the uh, skills to even record a film conversation. <laughs> uh, completely fucked it up. But I'm glad I talked. That was Melissa Harrison. Yeah, it was really nice. I wish I'd, I'd done that. Like, yeah. yeah. But, you're saying you didn't actually try, and then it fucked up. No, I, I was in conversation, and and 
the one the Melissa Harrison the author we were interviewing was kind of in the in the woods somewhere and yeah. my technology and her technology together were just not going to happen yeah. so I couldn't record right? a phone call it was sad times you I'd love to do one at some point so we'll yeah. keep we'll keep on it okay well right, thanks then. Pete thanks a lot thanks for having me here mate great. Cool. and thanks for all your writing Cheers. on the site as well which hey. is fantastic yeah. and everyone yeah. should check out yeah PickyBees.com. Yes. PickyBees. All right, so next time. So next time, Nick, you are I'm hosting, and we have another guest, actually, Tom Burrows, uh, who's a writer on the site as well, will be coming in, and he has picked his three. So his uh, unknown album is uh, Blood Oranges, Angel's Pulse. Um, His classic is Tidal by Fiona Apple, uh, and he's going to do a Wild Love playlist of Frank Ocean. Um, and then I'll say my pick is Sun O with Life Metal. Uh, Sun O, bracket, bracket, bracket. Well, uh, yeah, that's interesting. Apparently, it is actually just the name is actually just Sun because the, the, the O part is just a label on an amplifier that they used to use, on a bass amplifier. So I love it. Oh. Like, Sun O sounds much cooler to me than just Sun. It just sounds very predictable. Double N so. as well, isn't it? Yes. So it's Sun. Yep. Yeah. Sun O, <laughs> bracket, Sun. bracket, bracket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the Life Metal is the album. Okay. So yeah, Frank. Um, Africa Express with Egoli will be mine, uh, which is it's a comp- it's got loads of people on it. It's got Griff Reese on it. It's got Damon Albarn on it. It's got all sorts of people on it. Okay. So it could be interesting. Could be terrible. Who knows? We'll see. That's the whole point. We don't know. Thanks for staying the point of the podcast. <laughs> Matt, what, what are you going to do? I'm doing Dizzy Faye with the No GMO mixtape. Okay. Cool. Great. Yeah. Thanks well, for listening. Cool. Thanks a lot for listening. I think we've done enough plugs in this podcast, so let's yeah. leave it now. Thanks again to Pete. <laughs> Thank thanks a lot. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers, everyone. Bye. Bye.